everybody, and welcome to episode 392 of Good Luck High Five. That's right. This is a podcast for you if you play Magic the Gathering. Whether you're sitting at home shuffling up some Jumpstart, uh, which I think is just so much fun and so many people have been having a great time. Uh, or maybe you're shuffling up some Jumpstart on Arena. Or maybe you're at home playing Commander. Or maybe you're getting ready for that historic Open this weekend. No matter what, we are here for you. I'm one of your hosts, Maria, a.k.a. Honeycomb Washington. That's right, and I'm one of your hosts, Megan, a.k.a. Don Colorado. (laughs) And we will explain that story to you in a couple of minutes here. Uh, But yeah, welcome to the show. On today's episode, we are going to talk about something that I guess we don't often like super dive deep into, which is magic design philosophy. That's right. It is particularly relevant right now because we're also going to talk about some tournament results in a variety of formats that have obviously led people to do a lot of discussion about Magic's current design philosophy, as well as like their banning philosophy and just R&D in general and what's going on there. Yeah, uh, some really interesting stuff that we're going to get a chance to break apart Um, and talk about and we are always of course interested in your feedback too after you listen to this episode or while you're listening you know whatever and you can tweet at us at glhf magic with your thoughts about it like how you like to play magic how these things impact you or if they don't at all you know we'd we'd like to know yeah maybe you're like do you know what i'm doing great in which case we're honestly very happy for you yeah great excellent Thumbs up. You're doing great. Um, But yeah, before we start the show, we've got a couple of updates for you. One um, relevant to our new names, uh, me as Honeycomb Washington, um, uh, at the beginning of the show is that we uh, got a new office. Yes, that's right. As you may recall, um, our old office that we had just moved into um, was flooded um, when part of the building was on fire and the fire got put out. And, you know, the upshot of all of that is that there was a lot of water, a lot, a lot of water in the building. And because there was really no uh, firm timeline for when that building was going to be usable again, um, we decided to move. Yeah. And thankfully, we found a really, really incredible space here in town that we're super excited to move into. If you're watching the video of this, I put up a couple of pictures and you can see it's like a really cool like raw warehouse looking space that we're going to make look really awesome it's got a couple of rooms in it too already Mm -hmm. and was previously used for voiceover work so that's really awesome because there's already like some sound paneling up in there so like i feel like it's next home as a podcast studio like was just it just makes sense that's right. It was meant to be. There are also two huge old blocked off fire doors, which are terrifying, <laughs> which I will be, you know, trying the best to hide with whatever I can because boy, do they spook me. <laughs> so thank you to everybody who helped support us in our original new office campaign. As we mm-hmm. move into our new, new office, we still That's thank right. you so much for your help. And we will be making our, you know, heroes. What do we say? Gods of Theros. Gods of Theros. Uh, thank you all for everybody who donated to that campaign. Um, thank you so much. It's going to help us get into our new, new space now as well yes. and get it set up and ready to go. <laughs> Also, a huge thank you to Dunord. Uh, They are a local business that also had a relief fund for the Lake Street area, which is around where our old office was. Um, And they gave us some money towards a new soundboard because our soundboard was completely fried in that flood. Um, 
they're just like they're such a wonderful like we already loved going to do north oh yeah they're they're a local distillery for context yes yeah um they're so fantastic and um, we're very, very thankful to them. Yeah. And if you want to check them out and perhaps support them in the work they're doing, helping small businesses get back on their feet after everything that happened here in Minneapolis, they are called the Junord Foundation. And uh, yeah, really, really fantastic. Thank you so much to them for helping us out. Um, and yeah, we've got an awesome new soundboard that's ready to rock and roll as soon as we get set up in the new space, which will hopefully be very, very soon. So we can get back to creating content the way that you're used to seeing it and we're used to yes. doing it, you know. Yes. <laughs> Look, I love my apartment, but also, oh my goodness, I'm so sick of this of this setup, right? <laughs> of oh. this of this subpar podcasting. You setup. know, it's just it's not ideal. So hopefully, we'll get back to a way that we can do it for you very very soon. Yes. Um, and we'll we'll share pictures and updates along the way with you because we're super excited and we hope you are too. And you can check those out, posting updates on our Patreon, Patreon.com/slash/GLHFMagic. And I suppose that's a good segue to say that. Thank you to those people, too. Everybody who yes. supports us as a patron. Yes. Thank you so, so much to everyone who makes this work possible. Um, on the day-to-day, even when our life isn't in a big transition, uh, we still absolutely need our community support, and it just means the world to us. Yeah. You can become a patron for uh, any dollar amount. We'll get you uh, access to our Discord server, and then higher dollar amounts, you get rewards, which we'll be able to start sending out ASAP as soon as we're in our new space. As soon as we're in that space, we are so excited. Yes. Also, because it has been a big conversation point recently I just also wanted to point out to everybody um, if you've been following the news about the new postmaster general and the changes that he's making to the US Postal Service which they are very worried about causing massive delays and like just the general war against the post office sometimes um, if you're like that doesn't seem very like that doesn't seem relevant to my life I barely mail anything we literally would not be able to do Patreon rewards or any rewards if it weren't for the US Postal service that is how we mail all of our stuff out and like the price point that we're able to do it at with them is so much lower than what we would have to do if we were with UPS or FedEx or something like that oh absolutely like it just would not be financially feasible for honestly if you think about it like probably a lot of small creators that you know yeah um people that are doing like small rewards and anybody that has to mail out a bunch of stuff like I can't even describe like how important it is for us to have the u.s postal service um as as like a true service (laughs) right exactly that's what it is it's a service and it has a mission to be able to offer mail service for everybody and it's not Mm -hmm. like you know run by with the mission of just profits 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 um and I just, it makes me so upset because I love the USPS and they've been so great for us to help us grow as a small business that we wouldn't have if it was, if they didn't exist. So go out there and and support your post office, you know? Exactly. You're like, what am I going to do? Buy stamps. Like, sure, do that. But also contact your representatives um, is a big one. Contact like your representative in Congress and your Senate person and just be like, hey, I know that there's like obviously a ton of things going on right now. But the U.S. Postal Service is important to me um, and like you need to do something to make sure that they are stable and that they are operating the way that they should be. Great idea. Um, thank you as well to Card Kingdom for being a sponsor of this podcast. They've been a sponsor of ours for a long time now, and we absolutely love them. You can go to cardkingdom.com slash GLHF if you want to buy anything for your magical life. Like you say you want some Jumpstart to play 
at home. I think it's a great way uh, to play some magic super quick and casual and really, really fun and hilarious kinds of decks you can build like that. Double <laughs> Masters is coming out soon if that kind of thing is your jam. Um, they've got it all and they're yeah. super nice people. They they really are. Uh, we love Card Kingdom. So head on out. You know, if you're looking for some some stuff to play, check them out. Oh, we forgot to tell the story. I'm going to tell the story oh, now. Yeah, tell the story. For you all of Don Colorado and then Honeycomb Washington. <laughs> um, so the the one of the people who, you know, started Do Nord um, is an entrepreneur who has actually had like some like a lot of news coverage recently because, you know, he's very entrepreneurial and out there doing a lot of good work. Um, and his name is Chris Montana. And so we like met him at this meeting about getting friends from Junord and like got his business card. <laughs> and as we were leaving, I was like, gosh, that name is just so cool. Like Chris Montana is a very cool name. And then a couple of hours later, Maria and I were talking about it. And she goes, yeah, what was his name again? Don Colorado. <laughs> you know what? Almost. I was almost right. Like, do you know what? Like, you're not far <laughs> off, except that it's absolutely not his name. But anyways, that is how Don Colorado was born. And then I was telling a friend of ours, Katie, this story. And she's done a lot of different, like, copywriting and marketing gigs around town for a very long time. And she was like, you know, um, a couple of years back when I was working for the Timberwol Timberwolves, which is our... Uh, basketball team here. You might not know them because they never win. Because yeah, <laughs> they are quite bad. They are quite bad at basketball. <laughs> uh, so anyways, and she was like at an event for them and there were a couple of like older players there who were there for like, you know, whatever event was going on. And she met one named Pooh Richardson, like P-O-O-H. Also just a weird name. Um, but anyway, so she met Pooh Richardson and then like at the end of the event, she goes home and her partner is like, oh, how was it? And she's like, oh, it was good. I met I met this old Timberwolves player. What was his name? Honeycomb Washington. <laughs> <laughs> and the best part is that from that, he was able to be like, do you mean Pooh Richardson? Yes. Yes. So anyways, uh, that is how... That was that's how Honeycomb Washington um, and Don Colorado came to be. Beautiful uh, and just great names. You know, I'm really happy to oh, be Honeycomb yes. Washington from here on out. Yeah, um, it, it's our new detective. Like we've decided, we're a detective duo, like an old, like an old timey detective duo. Yeah, totally, um, totally. Yeah, Don Colorado and Honeycomb Washington. <laughs> Okay, let's talk about design philosophy, banning philosophy, and some tournament results that inspired us to talk about all of this. Yes. So, obviously, this past weekend was the Swiss rounds of the Players Tour Finals, uh, which was a little over 140 players, some really, like, just, like, a stacked field, tons of experience, like, tons of great top finishes amongst these players, and at the end... At the end of it, half of the top eight is team of reclamation decks. Yeah, and to be fair, I was honestly expecting it to be more than four in the top eight. Yes, I think everybody was. I think every like, I think the majority of people would have put their expected number at six plus. Yeah, for sure. It because the metagame was so heavily tilted in favor of either team or reclamation or four color reclamation. So reclamation decks generally, I was a little bit shocked to only see four, which I guess that's not a good thing. 
No, exactly. Like when it is half of the top eight and you're like, oh, wow, thought it would be more. That's that's not great. Um, To kind of just tease out the rest of the top eight, in case you're wondering and you don't know what the other decks were that weren't those reclamation decks, there was a mono black deck. There's a Mardu Winoda deck that's kind of weird. There's an Azorius control deck and there's a Jun sacrifice deck. So that's what's rounding out the top eight there. But yeah, the, the prevalence of wilderness reclamation, like in standard, it's been a problem for a long time now. Honestly, remember when Nexus was around? Yes. Yes, and this is part of what we're going to talk about um, because teamer reclamation or reclamation was a problem with Nexus. Yes. And then they were like, do you know what we're going to get rid of? Nexus of Fate. Nexus. Yep. So they banned Nexus of Fate. Um, Before we get into all of this, let's just also talk talk about these um, historic results. Yeah. So there was a couple so, of tournaments over the past weekend, too, that were historic run by other companies. Uh, there's one run by the Mythic Society, uh, and mm-hmm. there was an MTG Arena Zone Open Series historic event, too. Both were best of three, and uh, Teamer Reclamation and Wilderness Reclamation decks were just just ate up the top eights of those tournaments as well. Yeah. It's um, it's sad. We talked oh. about historic last week and about how many cool decks there are, and it seems that yes. once there were tournaments of historic people just were like well i'm gonna play this What's the best deck and like yeah busted deck in this yes. format too exactly oh it is it's rough i'm so sad <laughs> i am sad too historic is so fun there's so much exactly. possibility but these but wilderness reclamation is just oh. strangling everything we yeah exactly like we were just talking about like for Literal months now, I was like, wow, I love Historic. It has been my constructed format of choice just because there were so many different decks. And it also felt like any matchup that you played, there was a chance that you could win it. Right. right? Like there wasn't ever anything where you're just like, oh, this deck again. Like it's the best and I'm going to lose to it now, I guess. Yeah. Um, and and like there was something so this it was so fun. It was pure. <laughs> it was so pure, Megan. It was- so fun. But I'm looking at these two events. Let me count. Uh, this one top eight had Teamer Reclamation, Boros Combo, Teamer Reclamation, mm-hmm. Teamer Reclamation, Four Color Reclamation, Teamer Reclamation, and then Kethis Combo and Mono Red Aggro. The second oh. one, Teamer Rec, Teamer Rec, Rakdos Dredge, Jeskai Feather, great. Teamer Rec, Mono Blue Tempo, Teamer Rec, Esper Hero. So that one, um, yeah, both of them. And like glittered. what I love. Is like the rest of those results, right? I love that the other decks in those top eights were just like completely, you're like, what? Yeah. Boros combo? What does that even mean? Yeah, really cool. Uh, you know, yes, like Esper Hero, great. Like, yes, let's get that thing back in here. Um, but. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, obviously, um, Wilderness Reclamation is a problem. Yeah, and, um, you know, uh, Wizards of the Coast has known that Wilderness Reclamation has been a problem for a long time, which is evidenced by the banning of Nexus of Fate. Yes, and so this kind of has led people to talk about when you're looking at bans, should you ban enablers or should you ban payoffs? Right, and what what we mean by that, too, is we can see this philosophy um, reflected in r- the most recent bans, which yep. uh, took Agent of Treachery away, 
because mm -hmm. of Winota Joiner of Forces. So that is once yeah. again banning the payoff the same way they banned the payoff Nexus of Fate when they could have just banned Wilderness Reclamation when they could have just banned Winota. Yeah. And, you know, I think it's interesting to look at because you look at Wilderness Reclamation and you're like, well, obviously did not kill this deck at all. No, they don't um, care. Expansion Explosion is just there and it just gets the job done also. And if it wasn't Expansion Explosion, well, they would just go to the next best thing, which is probably like Eugene or something. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, you can't cast Eugene at instant speed. <laughs> True. <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> yes. But right, like you do end up with things like the thing with Winota is you look at that and you're like, well, in that case, did they do the correct thing? Because, you know, like Winota decks aren't a thing anymore, except for this one in the top eight of the standard event. And you're like, oh, well, that's cool. Like somebody found a way to make that version of this aggro deck work. Right. And I think in that case, they're probably right. Um, because what you've got to do is look through, I guess, all of the available cards in every format and say, is there something here that is potentially going to be a huge problem if we leave Winota yeah. alive? Um, and I think with this also, Agent of Treachery, to some extent, made sense also because Luca was in the, like, there, was, there were also the Luca decks. Yeah. Um, that would just put it right into play. And it was terrible and frustrating and made you mad. Yes. And, yes. and made you want to hit somebody. Well, and now we're playing this, this version of Historic I talked about last week where the payoff is Craterhoof Behemoth. Um, and I've got eight, you know, combo enablers in that deck, too. Um, yeah, which is, you know, one of them's Luca. It's not a Winota deck, yeah. but like, you know, that's another, I don't know, I guess not good enough, uh, mm -hmm. deck, but it's just, it's just kind of, it's just kind of wild <laughs> to see all of these formats. It feels like so quickly they just like, they like start spinning out of control and R and D will come in and be like, okay, we're going to get rid of this piece. And it like the spin will slow for a second and then it just spins out of control again. Yes, absolutely. And so because of this, you've got two problems. You've got the question of banning the enabler or the payoff, um, mm -hmm. which Watsi is very, I mean, they're weighted to banning the payoff because the enabler is often a sweet card that they want people yeah. to have access to and brew with. Um, and they don't want to rip that toy out of everybody's hands where if you're like, oh, we ban Agent of Treachery, you're like, fine, you know, like whatever. It's a common, yeah. like I can find something else cool to do with this uh, uh, yeah. enabler. What? It's a rare. Agent of Treachery at common? It was a rare. Wasn't it? I don't it felt like one. It, honestly. <laughs> it has to be. It has to be a rare. Okay. I'm, I'm looking it up. I'm looking it up. Don't we, worry. I feel nuts. Maybe Anyways. you're right. I just was like, it costs so much mana. <laughs> you just you know so I mean? didn't care when it yeah, was Yeah, it's banned. a rare. It's a rare for sure. Yeah. Um, okay. So like, I think you end up with in these columns, right? Of like pros and cons for banning enablers versus banning payoffs, right? On the pro side of banning an enabler, like you're, you just axed the problem. Good. Yeah. It's not coming back. <laughs> you, you took an ax to Oko and you chopped down your hallmark card from throwing. Yes, train. exactly. And it's like, that's not gonna, it's, it's just not gonna happen anymore. Instead of being like, Oh, should we ban gilded goose? So people can't play it on turn two or, or whatever. Should we ban? Um, what am I trying to say? Nissa? Nissa. Like that was also a, a talk, you know, like, a. A thought people had growth spiral um, 
Yes, exactly. But they're like, no, like just get just get Oko out of here. And you can look at the same thing with like if they had just banned reclamation, it would have just been like, well, that problem never rears its ugly head again. If you're going to cast Nexus of Fate, you got to do it honestly, kid. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, And, you know, there's another third prong to this trident of this nightmare trident, which is um, mana acceleration and mana cheating being something that is kind of one again and again shown that it's a huge problem in magic. And whenever they try and do it, they're like, Ooh, maybe now it'll be okay. But it never seems to be okay (laughs) when they bust it as hard as wilderness reclamation. Yes, exactly. Like wilderness reclamation and, um, What's the one that that did get banned? Fires of Invention. Yeah. Right? Where it's just, and you just doubled mana. As opposed to like, right, Arboreal Grazer, you're like, oh, oh cute, you, you put, put another, another land, land into play. Like, Growth Spiral, like, cute, you put another land into play. And then, like, it's like, bam, like, fires, and it's like, congratulations, now you have d- literally double your mana yes, every turn. Exactly. Wilderness Reclamation, congratulations, double your mana. So um, I think we can, like, <laughs> pretty easily identify... That congratulations, you've doubled your mana is not safe. (laughs) It's not a great thing to do, especially when it's not right. For a while, there was profit of crucifix, but that at least is a creature so you can remove it. Yes. And profit of crucifix, a big enough problem that you can't play it in commander. Right. Exactly. And even though these things are enchantments, and I think Watsi was trying to be proactive at putting enchantment removal on other things because they had an enchantment heavy set and because yeah. of maybe these issues. Um, but it turns out that that's just not good enough. No. Like, what are you going to do? Like, just like play four gem raisers, even though <laughs> that's like <laughs> not what you want to be doing. Yeah. It's just too niche. I think there's just, uh, I mean, it's just too niche period. Yeah. Um, and so like, Hey, maybe the idea here is like, we've, we've learned our lesson. Congratulations, you've doubled your mana. No more. <laughs> not not a great thing. Yeah. And on the other side of that, like I said, you know, like pros and cons to both, like the pros of banning payoffs as opposed to enablers is this space to be like, hey, is there something else cool that you could do that maybe isn't overpowered? Yes. Where it's like, oh, maybe reclamation was only overpowered because you could take endless turns. Well, um, turns out maybe, not true, but... Ex- exactly. Like, maybe uh, Fires is only overpowered if you can put an Agent of Treachery into play on, you know, turn five. Yeah, exactly. Um, and and then Flicker hit also. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Th- that turn. Ouch. Um, so, yeah, I think the problem, as people have pointed out, though, that the problem with that was there was just a next at Best least as powerful thing. Yes. Like you just, there was just expansion explosion waiting around. Yeah. So I think that we're going to get to design philosophy and how these cards like come to into existence in a second as potential issue. But like, say we're talking about just banning. Um, I think that they need to weight themselves a little bit heavier towards banning the enabler in the future. Yeah. I like I respect that it's like a very tough position to be in. Oh, absolutely. Right. Because you look at like I said, like you look at Winota and that feels like you did the correct thing. Yeah. Right. Or you look at 
agent of treachery, like specifically, you look at agent of tre- treachery and you're like, you did the right thing. Like Winota decks can still exist and they still can do some cool stuff, but they're not a hundred percent busted. Yeah. Um, you know, Luca is basically completely disappeared. Um, so like in that case, it did work out. Oh, it's just a really tough spot. Okay, I've got another solution. So, so far we've got one yes. solution. No more doubling yeah. of mana. Second solution. Okay, yeah, that's a good solution. I, I think that we can say that that's a good solution. Unless it's like on a creature or something, because uh, yeah. there was a creature printed that does that essentially, but it was a lot of mana to or, cast it. And- or like the bad red ones that are always just like, you get all this mana, you can cast one more spell. Yeah, one end. thing. I don't care about that. That's that's probably yeah. fine. Um. The other solution we're going to offer, which is one we talk about all the time on the show, is to stop us from getting to this point in the first place and to make better um, educated uh, decisions on bans, which is pay more money into your playtesting team. Yes. Like, just put more people in there. Put more people in there. Double the size of it. (laughs) Double the size of it. I know they recently did grow it by quite a large amount. It used to be like a couple of people just doing it in between other jobs that they were doing. Um... But because of the new design philosophy, which we'll talk about again in a minute, they, I think, need more people in there. If they're going to continue that design philosophy, they need more people on that playtesting team. Yes. That that is literally their only job. They are not there to test your commander products. They are not there to test your supplemental weird stuff. They are there to test standard. They are there to test test your historic format. Yes. They're like, this is busted. (laughs) This is their job. Uh, Yeah. It is not an afterthought. It is not something they do on the side when they're finished with their other stuff. It is their only job and you pay them a great wage to do it. It, and you have a yeah. big enough team with enough um, really great minds working on it that they can identify these problems uh, before they're huge problems. Of course, things are going to slip through. People are human. People like make decisions based on what other people are yes. doing around them, all these kinds of things. But we're trying the very best to make sure that we don't hit that point. Yeah, I think also just going back very quickly to a nerf that worked, uh, talking about companions. Yeah. Right. Like yeah. companions were a were a big problem but i appreciate the fact that they took like a pretty aggressive line yes they did the, you have to pay three mana to put it into your hand and they are mostly gone but they are still around yeah i think right there that was good. are still people making good use of them um if they really need to right like that's a spot where you're like okay you didn't you didn't kill it completely. You didn't just say, like, companion mechanic is gone. Dead. Ban all the companions. Good day. Like, we wash our hands of this. Yeah. <laughs> um, it was, like, an aggressive attack on it that didn't completely, you know, obliterate this, like, pretty cool design space that they found. Yeah. And um, we've mentioned a lot on this show, too, about letting wizards play in the creative design space and Mm -hmm. giving them the space to be able to do that. Because if wizards starts printing sets that are like same, 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 their game is going to kind of like, I would like that's boring. We don't want that. Yeah. No. Although we say that. And then I think back to like, right, we didn't have these power problems with, I guess we have said this before. Right. And I some part of my brain does still hold on to it of like, I want them to be doing I want them to feel free to make some really, really wild decisions. Yeah. Um, And just like push that envelope. And in my heart, just be like, every once in a while, you're really going to bomb out on this. And like, it's okay. I mean, (laughs) Um, because I want that wild stuff. But also, I guess I kind of think back to 
sets that I really enjoyed and standard environments that I really enjoyed that weren't part of that. And I guess to be fair, I wasn't bored. Like original Theros, we loved. Yeah, that's true. Um, and there, you know, there wasn't stuff like devotion is actually, I guess, a little busted. Um, or like, you know, people found ways to like really mess around with devotion. Um, but yeah, it's still so, yeah, I don't know. It's a, know. it's a really tough balance. I always come back to the sagas being something that I love that was innovative and that wasn't oh. busted. But like yes. it comes back to increasing the size of your team and allocating funds to be able to make sure you can pay for that team. And that's just not Wizards of the Coast, right? They're owned by a parent yep. company, Hasbro. And Hasbro has yeah. to say, hey, we're giving you more money to do this thing um, because they can't really steal it from <laughs> too many other places <laughs> once you've made a budget. Um, so yeah. it's a, a question of prioritization and making sure that uh, Hasbro board game daddy uh, knows that you need more money for this thing that is going to pay off in the long run. That's like not like, hey, look at us. We're increasing sales or whatever. Board game daddy. <laughs> I mean, it's a hard pitch, right? It's a hard pitch to make to your boss saying, I, yes. I need this much huge chunk of money to invest in R&D. That's not going to sure. immediately show you money coming back to you, you know, so... Just so you know, all know, that's basically Maria and I's relationship where Maria wants to buy things and I'm the person who says no. You're board game daddy. I'm board game daddy. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> We're going to get that plaque for you and put it over your uh, put it over your door. <laughs> Please. I I would very much like that. <laughs> Our board game guy Nicholas might be a little sad that you get to be board game daddy though. I'm just going to say. He knows. No, he knows. He knows the hierarchy. He knows I'm board game daddy. Like, yes, if you asked if you asked him which of the two of us was board game daddy, he knows the answer. <laughs> what daddy am I then? <laughs> I wanna be a daddy. <laughs> We'll figure it okay. out. Okay. Uh, if you all think of what kind of daddy I am, please let me know because I really need to know. <laughs> Um, but yeah, we, we've been talking a lot about um, design philosophy, but we haven't exactly uh, clarified what they've been doing. In case you don't yes. know, ever since War of the Spark got released, they've been following the design philosophy that's shorthanded to FIRE. And it stands for fun to play, inviting to new and enfranchised players, replayable due to balance and diversity, and excitingly powerful and brewable. Yeah. And I mean, like, gosh... When you, when you say those things in a row, it's just like, what a monumental task. Well, yeah, exactly. Honestly. That's, I mean, that's what everybody wants like, to hit these things right here. Inviting to new and enfranchised players. Um, you know, I, we talk, we talk a lot too about how those are just like the range of people's magic experiences that they're looking for is absurdly wide. You're right. Maybe when that one's think just about, kind of impossible. I mean, I guess if you have exactly, multiple products, but the same product. Which they do. And I think a lot of the time, um, you know, they are trying to attack it with different products. Like you have, you know, like the pre-con commander sets, um, which we've always been huge fans of. And then you have, you know, obviously all of like the limited and draft sets and you yeah. have core sets and all of that sort of stuff. And you have like jumpstart. But it still is like the fact that there are people who come to magic literally just looking to like sit around at home with their friends 
um, and look through cool cards and then like make weird decks and battle each other all the way up to people who want to be professional magic players and, you know, reliably make the best deck and, and, you know, become the best at playing it. That's like, how are you ever expecting one game to cover everything between those two extremes? It's I wild. Mean, they've been doing a good job, I think, recently of giving us that diversity of products to try and meet all of these different audiences. Um, that does leave people feeling like I can't keep track of the next booster. I don't like they. Yes. The set boosters just got announced, which we talk about on the upkeep. But like. I can't keep track of all this stuff. That's no. one thing. It's like a information overload and sa yeah. huge saturation of the market. But on the same time, they're trying to address all of these different audiences, you know, concurrently. Yes. And that I think is happening. Um, yes. And certainly like fun to play. I would put limited in that category for sure. For most of oh. these past sets. Yes. Limited has been very good which i we should take a second to appreciate yes and i um, think that's a direct result of these playtesters yes i still remember like i feel like back when cons came out um cons of tarkir and that was our first like set that we experienced being like oh this is when people talk about their favorite draft sets of all time like this is something that has the potential to be on people's lists yes and it felt like those things only come around once in a blue moon, right? Like, because they're trying to balance so much different stuff with these boosters and with these environments. And then the number of times that sets have felt as good to draft as Cons of Tarkir did since then is very high. Yeah. Like, Dominaria is in there. Ikoria is in there. Like, that's, you know, already that's so many more than I think people at that time would have looked back and said. No, I think that's a fantastic point. Like, it seemed like good to draft sets were few and far between. And now we get, like, at least, like, a pretty solid draft set every single time. And yeah, exactly. we should not forget that that is happening. Yeah. Um, like, like, Aquaria just happened. Like, what a wild time drafting Aquaria is. I know. And I love Mutate. so good. It was really fun. Yes, and there were so many different decks to find in there, right? Like, everyone obviously found, like, the Zenith Flare deck, like, the Cycling Zenith Flare deck, but then there were, like, Black White Humans decks. There were big-time Mutate decks. Like, there was just so much going on there. There was, like, Blue Red Spells decks. I had a ton so of much. fun with Throne of Eldraine. Yep, Throne Limited. of Eldraine, really good time. So, like, I think they're nailing it on fun to play as far as limited environments go. But mm -hmm. fun to play kind of gets knocked way out of whack if you have a deck that's just like one thing. One deck can knock fun to play right out of contention for standard. Yes. And that is such a big problem, I think, for constructed formats um, is that if if it happens, it just is like a gut punch to the format. And this is a problem, too, here with R and E. Replayable due to balance and diversity and excitingly powerful and brewable. Re replayable needs can only exist if balance is true. And excitingly powerful can c sometimes come and take the hammer. Yes, to that can, like, really, yes, replayability. like, cut away at that. And do you know what's interesting is this doesn't, um, when we're talking about like super competitive players, that end of the spectrum. I thought it was interesting this weekend. It was the first time that I've heard people being vocal about how they actually, to be fair, appreciate reclamation mirrors because they are so skill testing and so interesting to them. Yes. 
I've heard that I think as well. Is, yeah. And Which I have such an, witnessed it. Yeah. An interesting balance of you have a lot of people who are just like, I do not want to. And I'm a person who does not want to play mirror matches all day. That is, even no, if it is the most skill testing of the format or like the most skill testing way to play the game, it's just not fundamentally interesting to me. Um, even if that's the best way to, you know, like be exercising the muscle of being excellent at playing magic or whatever. I don't, I just don't want it. If I play too many mirror matches, I close arena. Yeah, so do I. Um, because I don't like, it's, it's not interesting to me, but it's difficult because I respect the fact that to, to pro players, it's like, there is some sort of like fascinating element to it. Yeah. It, just like being able to play based on what you assume your opponent has in their hand because of what they did two turns ago or whatever. Mm-hmm. That exactly. I, I do respect it too. I, it's just not for me. And I think the people who are in that category is probably like a very, very slim percentage of magic players um, like 1% or whatever who think that that yeah. is a super fun afternoon. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong, yes. but that's what and I would to clock be fair, it at. Even those players don't think that the format is good. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That is true. Which I think is like, like hats off to you if you can be like, I'm very much like I enjoy how skill testing this is. And also I know that this format is like not healthy. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> because of that, like if you can have a group of people who are saying, there is something that I appreciate about this. And also it is unhealthy. Like that's a, you know, like that's probably a real good sign that something's not right. That's in the true state love of as well. <laughs> Something is rotten in the state of Denmark. So uh, April, Cube April, um, who, friend of the show, obviously, has made us Cube videos in the past, been on the show a number of times, um, and is a great magic presence on Twitter, tweeted out a couple of polls, which I thought the results of were kind of interesting. Yeah. Uh, she said, with the release of War of the Spark, Wizards started using the fire philosophy. Which have they done the best on? Fun, inviting, replayable, exciting. And while this is far from scientific, I just thought it was interesting mm -hmm. that exciting got the biggest uh, marks here, 54% of the vote, followed by inviting, followed by fun, and replayable was dead last. Yeah. I'm And 50% of four options. Yes. Yes. <laughs> like that is, uh, yeah. And I think that that is, you know, supported by what we've talked about in the last couple of months of they are making like big, bold choices. Absolutely. Um, Especially, I mean, even just with like the, the themes of the sets, like doing Eldraine was a risk as far as they were concerned, but they did it anyway. Uh, War yep. of the Spark put a planeswalker in every pack. That sounds crazy. They did it anyway. So yeah. I think, I do think exciting <laughs> is they are nailing it. But sometimes yeah. it can have bad, bad consequences uh, like yes. we see now in Standard. And do you know what? Aside from aside from Little Teferi, who everyone is just like sick and freaking tired of, it's wild to think that like War of the Spark, in terms of power level, where there was a Planeswalker in every pack, did not have, like was not as bad for Standard. Yeah. <laughs> That you would look at me like that and you're strange. like, is this going to completely mess up standard? And it's like, no, it was, it was fine. It like introduced one wildly annoying card. Hey, Megan, um, tell me what happens to you um, in your body when I say this. Let's slow things down. No. <laughs> Let's slow this down. What does he say? But yeah, do you, are you having a reaction? <laughs> yeah, like, that, like when I yelled, no, that's like my visceral reaction to hearing that phrase. <laughs> 
And I don't even have I don't I have all audio turned off on Arena because I could I can't. You know what? I wonder if this could be helpful in, in identifying psychopaths is make them play magic for a long time, put them in a small room, connect them to a machine, play the Teferi's voice line, see if there's a reaction. If there's no reaction, psychopath. <laughs> Don't call me a scientist, but I'm pretty sure I just invented a foolproof test. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Uh, April also had another poll asking how successful the fire philosophy had been. Have they succeeded at it? Uh, she had four flames to three to two to one, uh, one being least successful, which got the majority of the vote there, 43 percent. Um, yeah. And four being the least at two percent. Um, yeah. Which, like... I don't know. I personally think they are delivering on what this wants to do other than the balance aspect of it. I think it kind of comes back to, again, like we were saying before, it's so many things. How could you ever be for like, how could you ever be accomplishing all of these? But don't you have to try? Like, yes, I believe that you have to try. Absolutely. Um, And I think that a lot of what we've seen that's cool is a result of them trying. Yeah. Um, And I guess it just for me, when I look at results of like polls like that, I'm like, well, yeah, I don't know that anyone's ever going to vote for flames because everyone's going to always be upset by something. Right. Yeah. Like if you're pushing the envelope, there's going to be people who are mad that it's too powerful and there's too many bannings. Um, Like, yeah, there's right. There's I feel like it's a it's a real tug of war that you're never going to completely win. You're just always playing the tug of war. I am going to fix this for them right now. You ready? Okay. Yeah. We're kicking. We're sticking with fun to play. We're sticking with inviting. We're sticking uh-huh. with replayable. But E is not going to be excitingly powerful anymore. It's going to be entertaining and brewable. What do you think about that? Ooh, I like it. I know I mean, entertaining and fun to play are the same <laughs> thing. But like what I'm trying to say is take the powerful out of there and just make yeah. it brewable. I think then... Like you can still have power, obviously, because you're going to. But can if we just replace the E with brewable so it's Ferb? <laughs> Does Hasbro hey, own Furby? Hold on. Hey everyone, this is our Ferb philosophy. Furby. I'm looking it up now. Oh yeah, Hasbro does own Furby. It's perfect. <laughs> uh, so we can have you know like Ferb. Ferb. Yeah. And like, there's a, like a little fr- icon of a Furby every time they talk about it. And so then instead of trying to make stuff that's like, quote unquote, selling packs by being a big splashy mythic, what they're doing is giving you interesting pieces to work with that you can put together to make a really cool deck across yep. formats. What if they started to focus on that? Maybe the end result is they and they sell more packs because their format is so uh, diverse and inviting that they end up achieving that goal through another means. Yeah. I and mean, also like, Furby. I think that that's legit. Do you know that the inventor of the Furby thinks it's alive? <laughs> I you, don't even you know, know what to say. Yes. Tell me more. Well, okay. So this is one of my favorite all-time episodes of Radio Lab, where they talk about like artificial intelligence, and they have the inventor of the Furby on, and they ran a, uh, an experiment with little kids where they would hold a Barbie upside down and see how long they could do it, which is like infinite, right? And then they hold a Furby upside down, and how long can the kid do it? And the answer is like way, way shorter because the Furby cries and yells at you when it's held upside down. It's like, oh no, no, 
hurt i'm scared or whatever so the kids are like oh, i don't no. think they speak i don't think they speak english don't they speak like furby <laughs> no i'm pretty sure they speak english no <laughs> do they yes i'm pretty no. sure did i just like translate furby without ever thinking about it okay you look that up while i tell the rest this of the story this is a psychopath test now <laughs> Yes, yeah, so okay, they, they hold the Furby upside down. Well, regardless of if it speaks in English or whatever, it's upset. Um, and the kids can't do it because, um, yeah, it's just tough to hear something crying when you're holding upside down. You're making it cry. And the investigators were even like, you know that Furby's not alive. And the kid's like, yeah, I know Furby's not alive, but it still bothers me. Um, and they were like, why is that? And anyway, they interviewed the designer of the Furby who talked about creating it and uh, and everything and he and they ask him point blank is furby alive and he's like you know what yeah i think furby is like how do you draw the line like it's it's responding to its environment or whatever and it was just a really interesting episode that's got a bunch of great pieces in it and that's one of it um and i was just sitting in the car listening i was like what but yeah that's what he said oh wow okay hold on i'm um i'm listening to several furby videos on youtube to um Oh no, our algorithm's gonna be completely trashed. <laughs> You're gonna get ads for Furbies now, I swear to God. I mean, we are. Okay, hold on. <laughs> I can't wait. I can't wait. Oh, I'm looking at the new Furbies. There's like apps and you connected, and oh, yeah, it makes sense. I guess it okay, makes it's sense. laughing. <laughs> Okay. It definitely says stop. Oh my goodness. Okay, yeah, they do speak English. Oh, that's <laughs> That's not. What did it say, uh, Megan? What did the Furby say to you? It it said very happy and then I'm <laughs> Now it says to, it goes <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness okay what it's like tickle again <laughs> uh, you tickle me <laughs> no i hate it i hate it i can't listen oh, to it oh no i'm gonna Furby. put the link to specifically to this video that i'm watching so that you can put it in the show notes great thank and you anyone that wants to can creep can themselves out <laughs> can go creep themselves out <laughs> There was like people who were scared their house was being robbed, that there were ghosts in their house because Furby would activate and just say like, weird stuff like when uh -huh. it was lonely. When it was lonely. See, I'm talking about it like it's real. Yes. Wow. Maybe Furby is alive. This has gotten really existential for me. Anyway, fix anyway. all of your problems. We've solved them. No doubling of mana on things that aren't <laughs> creatures. Increase the size of your playtesting team by twice. Double it. And change fire to Furb. You're welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> Change fire to furb. You're welcome. What if we fixed magic? <laughs> well, everybody, that's this episode of Good Luck High Five. Uh, thank you yeah. so much for watching. If you've got uh, your fixes to uh, magic's banning problems, mm -hmm. you can let us know at GLHF Magic. That's our handle yeah. on Twitter and Instagram. Um, and Or you can just say, you know what? You're right. You've solved it. Yeah. <laughs> or if it makes a nice little acronym like FURB. 
please yeah. let us know. We want to <laughs> we want to hear what words you can make with a design philosophy for magic. Absolutely. Uh, big thank you to everybody who's a supporter supporter over on patreon.com slash GLHF magic. You are the people that keeps the show on the air every single week, both this show, the upkeep, our board games, YouTube channel, all of it mm -hmm. is because of your help. Thank you so, so, so much. We love to see all the new members that come. Um, it just, it, every single time we get a notification, it's like the best moment of our days. So thank you everybody. And everyone who continues to support month after month, you are mm -hmm. invaluable to us. So please give yourself a pat on the back right now. Um, like literally I want you to do it because uh, you deserve it <laughs> yes yes um, thank you as well to our wonderful sponsor Card Kingdom just a lovely set of people yeah absolutely um, and oh wait I wanted to give a quick pandemic update oh yeah just because this one is so dumb let's hear um, it last night I had a dream where <laughs> where a goose attacked me because I wasn't wearing a face mask <laughs> I was out at a park and like a goose like full on chased me, pecking me. <laughs> because and that's what will happen to you if you don't wear a face mask. Exactly. So like wear a face mask or else a goose is gonna get you. <laughs> that is a threat we can back up. <laughs>